You need to have an energy of, it's not even like commitment and determination. It's like devotion. Are mm -hmm. you devoted to the process? Are you devoted to the result that you want, especially before those results arrive? Are you committed to the process of becoming the version of yourself that you know is possible and not so impatient that you give up while that process is still unfolding? Welcome to The Wealthy and Well Woman, a podcast that celebrates choosing a life of overflow. If you're looking to grow your business, live on purpose, and feel your best while doing it, then you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Kat Sanuski, the business coach for wellness leaders and visionary female entrepreneurs, founder of Be Well Events, and international yoga teacher and trainer. My goal in this podcast is to help you curate your life by design and claim your dream business by giving you actionable tips and trainings that help you get out of your own way, step into your power and monetize your magic. I'll be bringing you a thought training or interview from experts that will help you break through your fears, take action and grow into those massive visions that you can't stop thinking about. I am so happy you're here. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of The Wealthy and Well Woman. I am so excited to announce today's amazing guest, Kate Scudder, high school teacher turned Forbes featured seven-figure business coach for women entrepreneurs. She is a TEDx speaker, host of the Born to Rise podcast, an internationally recognized online business expert, as well as a loving mama and wife. Kate's mission is to empower 10 million driven, bold-hearted women to uncover their zone of genius and use it to create a profitable, purpose-driven business that changes the world. Her work has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider, among several other publications. And you can find her inside her Facebook community, The Radiant Entrepreneur, where she shares weekly free trainings and content for her community of boss babes. Kate, I'm so excited to have you here. How are you? Kat, oh my God, it's so good to be here from about 20 minutes away from each other probably. So good. I know, I love it. It's amazing. So I am so excited to have you here today. So Kate has been a transformational mentor in my journey and I am so excited to be able to share her genius with anyone that has not experienced her yet. She is such a powerhouse and just so lovely to have in this space. And I can't wait to have this conversation and just dive in a little bit deeper. So good. Let's do it. I am an open book. Thanks for having me, Kat. Yes, of course. So Kate, can you just let us know how you got started in the, how you made the transition from high school teacher to business coach and just give us a little background. Totally. So there was, it did not happen overnight. That is, you know, it's so hard to like smush down your entire existence into a little bio, but it did not happen overnight. I, I actually quit my high school teaching job after a couple of years of doing it. I was making $38,000 a year, probably working 60 hours a week with an hour commute each way with no off switch. And as any educator knows, when you come home, you're still thinking about your students, you're grading papers, you're planning lessons. So I was getting burnt the F out. And I mean, I was in my mid twenties and I was like, hold on this, this is not what I'm meant to be doing. And I knew I loved the skill set of teaching. I loved crafting curricula. I loved, 
you know, being in relation and supporting other people in their learning process. But I was just like, this is not it for me. And so I quit before I knew what I was going to do next, which I think is a really important step and thing to underscore. I did not have this plan of like, I'm going to be a millionaire business coach. And that's what I'm leaping into. Like I had no freaking idea what I was going to do. I just knew that that world was too small for me. It didn't fit me. It didn't serve me. It was hurting me in my emotional, physical, mental health. And I needed to take a break. And so I did. And it was one of the best decisions. I like waited tables. I cobbled a few part-time jobs together. And then I saw that a couple of my teachers that I had done my yoga teacher training, or I'd met in my 200 hour yoga teacher training, were hosting a women's leadership 500 hour certification in Bali. I just felt this deep soul resonance of, I need to go to that. And at the time it was absurd. Like I I was working as a waitress, as you can imagine, I didn't have a like tremendous savings account from a $38,000 a year salary, but I was just like, I need to find a way to go. So I put together a GoFundMe and I got myself to Bali. It was a couple grand to get over there. The training was like $6,000, which to me at the time felt like a mortgage on a house. Like it just Mm -hmm. felt insurmountable, but I was like, I am gonna make this happen. And I went and I got myself in the room, which is something I talk about all the time because from the very earliest stage of my journey, getting in the room has made all of the difference. Some of the women that I met in that training went on to become collaborators, clients. Again, I didn't know this at the time. It would be years before that happened. But the connections that you make when you put yourself in the room are just incredible. So anyway, I went and it was just more. I thought I was going to like be doing like one handed handstands and just this like ninja superhuman (laughs) yogi by the end of it. And I was like, it was a yoga training. It was a yoga training. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, not better at asana at all. But my inner, you know, leadership was, I felt so powerful, Mm. so magnetic, so open to whatever life had to throw at me. And I mean, I could really stretch this out, but the long and the short of it is that ended. And, um, three days later, I serendipitously met Toby, my now husband on the beach. Three days, three days after the Ah. training. It was, yeah. Do you not know the story? It was, I know. Yeah. I know like pieces of it, but I don't know. Like that. I didn't realize it was like three days later. I didn't know the timeline and. Oh yeah. It was two or three days later. It was like immediately following the training where I was like, you know, just so complete. I mean, the training was called Shakti initiation. So I'm sure my like Shakti energy was just like, woo, woo, like just like vibing all the way down the beach. And I just, I, I met him on the beach and it was more or less, you know, something at first sight and that, you know, I could go into that in a little (laughs) bit more detail. I ended up canceling, I had a, uh, you know, sort of like an eat, pray, love trip plan to Thailand. I had a one-way ticket booked out and I ended up canceling my flights because I was like, there's something going on here with this guy. I need to explore this a little bit more. And I delayed it for two weeks. I stayed and completely had this like whirlwind, incredible romance with Toby. And I was like, all right, this is, there's like really something happening here. Canceled my flight again. And then after another 10 days or so, he's like, Toby's Australian for any of you who don't know that. Um, He's like, I'd really love to take you to Australia to meet my family. And I was like, oh my God, are we doing this? Okay. This is pretty soon. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. Let's do Mm -hmm. it. And the rest is they say is history. So Anyway, that was March of 2015 and we got engaged of June of 2015. So three months later. Dang, I love it. 
You met me in Spain. I mean, just a reminder, ladies, when you know, you know, like screw the rules that say that's like wildly irresponsible. We did not do the, you know, socially, societally approved, see each other a couple times a week. Like, don't be, we like lived together from day one <laughs> and, you know, had this whirlwind romance, were apart. And then he flew to meet me in Spain where I was working for the summer doing, leading like a Spanish teaching immersion trip. And um, after the trip was over, he met me and we, he proposed and we got engaged and I moved back to Bali with him in December of 2015. Now I started in my business in May of 2017. So there was a year and a half of 2016 of me really staring down the, the barrel of all of my desires to make money by being myself, to work online and work from anywhere. And having a business. And I didn't start as a business coach. I started my business as a radiant living coach. I called myself. Mm -hmm. I really was doing women's empowerment work only supporting women. And I don't mean only as in like lesser than being mm -hmm. business coach. I just mean, I wasn't, I wasn't consulting or coaching in business at all. I was really using my skill set of supporting women, empowering women to live their best lives. But I had every mindset block story, you name it under the sun for all of that year of 2016. And frankly, the beginning of 2017 of like, oh, there's already so many people doing this. How can I even make money? What, what even is coaching? Mm. Um, I thought I wanted to be a travel blogger. I thought I wanted to export sarongs and bracelets from mm -hmm. Bali. Like I went through all these different business ideas until I, and I, you know, spent money on logos and nearly left Bali and left Toby because I was at the very end of the barrel of my savings and I had no income. And when that moment hit in particular, that was April of 2016. That was a real wake up call for me to be like, Kate, okay, so you don't know yet. You And it was, it was going to be a year. Remember that was April of 2016. Mm -hmm. I started my business in May of 2017. You have no idea yet what this is going to be, but you want it. Are you going to stay in it and figure it out? Or are you going to bail because it's hard? Are you going to mm -hmm. bail because this roadblock of not having any money is coming up for you? And I, I literally had a plane ticket out of Bali. I left my engagement ring on Toby's kitchen counter. I was about to leave. And I was like, I am running away. I am running away from what I don't know. I am running away because I'm scared but I really want this. I want this man. I want this life. And there's so much I don't know yet, but I'm going to stay. And that was such an important and powerful lesson for me. And so anyway, I got a full-time remote job, boring as fuck, writing user manuals for a technology software company so that I could make money to live and also save up a little nest egg to be able to invest in my business. And that's what I did. And for the next year, I worked in that full-time role in remotely from Bali while also starting to invest in coaches, invest in programs, really learn more about digital entrepreneurship, um, surround myself with mentors. And it was, I think it was March of 2017 that I joined my first in-person mastermind. I'd worked with a couple of coaches before to start to really, who helps me tease out, no, you don't want to start a sarong business. You want to use your gifts to change the world. So stop hiding behind that. And I really needed to get myself accountable. And so I joined an in-person mastermind in March of 2017, which really just like pushed my butt through the birth canal. And my <laughs> company was born in, in 2017 and we really haven't looked back since.
That is so amazing. And I especially love all of those moments that you described that you so easily, I mean, a lot of people think of the biggest moment being deciding that they don't want to be in, say, their corporate or their teaching job, like that moment. And how many years was that? That was like three or four years, right? Of, of that time of leaving your teaching job. Oh, yeah. It, and had, then been, starting... it had been two, two or three years. Yeah. Mm. Since I quit my teaching job. No, deciding I was unhappy with that was the easy part. That was just yeah. like paying attention to what was honestly going on for me. But all of the other moments of resistance of feeling like, you know, I don't know, I can't, you know, it's all the stuff that we talk about, mm. right? The fear of the unknown, the, the actual reality of not having money to live. Like right. I went through all of it. And at the end of the day, it was, it really came down to what am I more committed to right now? Like my reasons why this is terrifying and why it won't work or my commitment to the desire that is actually in my heart. And that's, that has been what has shaped my trajectory from truly day one. Mm, that's such a good practice just for people going through that because, you know, people view that first moment as being very hard, but it's really all those choices after that and to stick mm -hmm. with it and to stay committed and to keep showing up. So it's like you had so many opportunities where you could have easily bailed and where it was harder than that initial idea of like, I'm not happy here. Let me go find what I am happy with. It took... Yes. It wasn't overnight. Yes. And I'm so glad you just highlighted that. I was just talking to some women in one of my masterminds today. And honestly, Kat, like we don't ever outgrow that. The The mm. challenges that arise just become different. Like you can be making six figures a month and have a launch that like is baffling AF that doesn't convert the way that you want. And you still have that feeling of not maybe I want to like walk away from my business completely and quit it. But you might be thinking like, something is wrong. I need to burn this thing to the ground or I'm so pissed. I just want to walk away. And, you know, so these earliest moments, these themes that you're touching on that arose for me at the beginning where it was so hard and so challenging. And I had a decision to make not to like burst anybody's bubble, but I think, you know, there can be a Honest. lot of misconceptions of mm. when I start hitting this amount of income, then I'll just like be floating in a bubble bath of tranquility. Sorry, that was my, oh, okay. that was my, that was my um, pot roast announcement. Uh -huh. I hope this isn't like a very <laughs> official podcast. So that yeah. was, I'm oh no, it's February, roast. February in Maine. So yes, February in Maine, I'm making pot roast. That was my announcement that uh -huh. I need to go put the carrots in anyway. So yeah, I think we think when I start hitting this amount of income, then I'm going to have, you know, nothing to worry about. I'm just going to be floating in this bubble bath of bliss. And it's like, no, you still have to do the inner work. There's always going to be stuff that arises and you always have to choose. Are you going to return to your commitment and your desire? Or are you going to let a roadblock stop you? That extreme commitment and always coming back to that. Yes. And that's actually something that I was thinking of when you were speaking too, is, you know, coaching. And I would love to hear after how things have changed because coaching is such a massively growing industry just in general right now. And it's a, I mean, with everything that's happened, but we'll come around to that. My question for you as well as you, there's so many people in coaching now. And I saw somewhere recently, and I don't know how accurate this is, but the average coach only makes like 30 to 50,000 a year or something like that. But of oh, wow. course, as we know, so many, I mean, it's, it's so 
available to make so much more than that? And Mm -hmm. is there a theme that you really see come up? Because I know you work with so many amazing women. Is there a theme that comes up that you've seen between those that maybe stay stagnant or stuck at these levels or end up just giving up altogether and those that really soar to, you know, six figures, seven figures and beyond? A hundred percent. It's such a great question. And I'd never heard that statistic before. I'm like, I don't know these people. I need to fact check. I I saw that, you you know, you don't never know these days. Like that was something that popped up and I'm like, is that true? (laughs) But you know, it's so interesting. I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of the old patriarchal, you know, university, like there's a lot of old traditional thinking and almost income projection, I feel like in numbers like that, whether or not that's like exactly accurate Mm. or not. I feel like we're taught, you know, in order to make millions of dollars a year, you need to spend a decade of your life going Mm. to graduate school or going to doctorate school or becoming a lawyer or whatever. And this, the coaching industry is such a beautiful space to truly enter into a quantum relationship, Mm. not only with money, but with impact and like profound fulfillment of living your day to day as the truest expression of your gifts. And I absolutely see common threads between, you know, in my clients who are generating millions, multi-million dollars a year and clients that I've worked with or women that I see in the space who, who have struggled and who either stop, as you say, partway through or who really struggle to get off the ground. I mean, the biggest thing that I would say, and it might sound reductive, but it is just the truth. I've been doing this now nearly five, it'll be five years in May. It is really just the truth. Number one is mindset, attitude, energy, like what stories are you telling? The fact is shit happens for my million dollar clients. Shit happens for clients who are making $2,000 a month. Like the, the question is not, are you going to have challenges or are you don't because money making more money doesn't mean that you don't have issues. Mm. It just means you have different issues. And I think that if you are starting out a business to hit an income number, to be able to feel self-congratulatory on Instagram to think that that's going to protect you from having to deal with issues. Like you're in the wrong industry and you're doing this for the wrong reasons. So you might as well do something else now because you're just going to be disappointed. If you are in this because you desire to make lasting change, you want to create a wildly abundant life for yourself, for your family, for your community, and for the ripple effect of what your work is going to do in the world, you need to have an energy of, it's not even like commitment and determination. It's like devotion. Are you Mm -hmm. devoted to the process? Are you devoted to the result that you want, especially before those results arrive? Are you committed to the process of becoming the version of yourself that you know is possible and not so impatient that you give up while that process is still unfolding? And I, you know, I have seen women and it really breaks my heart who are just so gifted and so talented and they have one launch where two people sign up or nobody signs up and they throw in the towel and they think, I'm, you know, that's it. There's the evidence. I'm screwed. It's, it's not going to happen for me. And I'm like, if I did that, like, there's no way we would be having this conversation. I wouldn't know you. I would never have, you know, like, there's just, we would not be doing the work that we're doing in the world if we allowed one setback, any setback to stop you. So I think really having this true North star of what are you devoted to? What are you decided upon? And what are you working towards? And I talk all the time about 
this, this dual energetic of being committed, but not attached. Are you committed? Like I remember in 2017, when I started my business, it felt, I might as well have said, like, I'm going to build a house on Mars. Like I was like, I am going to become a millionaire, but it felt so distant. Like I'm thinking from here to Mars distant. It felt so distant. It felt like, well, I have no fucking idea how that's going to happen, but that's a desire. And when you are brave enough to acknowledge what you desire and stay committed to that desire without being attached to the timeline. And so if I had been attached, like I'm going to become a millionaire within the next 12 months, I would have been super defeated and felt crushed and felt like, well, I didn't achieve my goal. So I might as well give up. But I stayed committed to that desire and devoted to working towards it unattached to the timeline and that is what has brought it to be. So I say this to clients all the time. Like if you're working towards, you know, achieving a certain income month or a certain income year, who fucking cares if you have a $50,000 a month next month or you have it in 16 months? Like the fact is, if you knew that that month was inevitable for you and fill in the number, whatever you guys listening, whatever is relevant for you, if you knew that that was coming, would you really care how long it took you? And I think that that has been both for myself and for the women that I've worked with, that energy of just devotion and commitment and not stopping when things get hard and a commitment to find creative solutions. That is the single biggest determining factor in their success. I love that. And when you were talking, I was also thinking, I wonder what the statistic of seven figure earning you know, coaches or whatever business it is. I wonder what the statistic of how many failed launches. Oh or, yeah, you know, <laughs> like more than they're talking about on exactly, Instagram. Exactly, exactly. Sure. So I loved that you. I love that you talked about that, and I loved also how you talked about you can't be in it for only the financial goal, and this duality of you can have the desire to make a million dollars and yet not have that overcome the whole purpose of what you're doing, of your business. Your mission is still forefront and the income desire is also valid, but it's not the number one driving force of your business. A hundred percent. And it's so interesting. And I know, you know, you and I have had separate conversations of like how triggering money, especially Mm. big money and talking about money is for people. And I think that where the desire for big numbers, let's just say a million dollars, like having a million dollar year or hitting a million dollar, a million dollars in cumulative revenue in the lifetime of your business. Like these are such big milestones for people and they're beautiful to hit. But if they're the only thing that you're concerned about, what, you know, the the desire for money is not bad. The desire for money is, is beautiful and it's money is neutral. It's a tool. It's a, it's a, it's a resource. It's not evil, bad, wrong. What I think messes people up and gets coaches in their head, entrepreneurs in their head is this feeling of, I am not worthy or I am not, you know, desirable. I am not official. I am not prestigious enough as a brand or something if I'm not making this amount of income. Mm. So let me like focus only on income, 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 money, 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 money until I hit that number and then I'll feel worthy. And then once I can say I'm a six-figure coach or I'm a seven-figure coach, then I'll be, you know, worthy. And it's like, 
if that is how we are going about this, we have lost our way. Mm. We have completely missed the point. And, and the mark always moves with you. You know, you right. hit six figures. Okay, well, I'm not legit until I hit seven figures. Okay, I hit seven figures. Now I'm not legit until I have multi seven figures a year. It's, you know? it's like, so true. It's so true. Like, does and it, like, end? it doesn't end. And mm-hmm. even if you're hitting multi seven figures, it's like, all right, There's now I need to another. hit eight figures. Exactly. Yes. And so that it truly is such a receding horizon line. And so the, the earlier you can recognize that the better. And I always say this, like, if you are devoted to the movement, like, yes, your mission, but like, what is the movement you are here mm. to build around your work? What is the heartbeat of your, of your purpose? What is the change that you are here to create in the world and the ripple effect, you know, circle around beyond you? Like if you can be so connected to that, you don't need to freaking worry. The money is coming. It's already ordered. It's already signed, mm. sealed, and delivered. And yes, of course, there's strategy and creating your offers and knowing how to sell them and being savvy at marketing and having a mindset framework to stay in the game. And yes, there's like all the business things. Mm. Obviously, that's why business coaches like us exist. But if you are truly connected to the movement that you are here to build, the money is not an if, but a when. Mm. It's when coaches, entrepreneurs get so caught up in my worth. It's, it's like almost rather than that outward gaze and that outward focus on the impact of my work, the lives I'm going to serve, the clients I'm going to serve their, their perspective and their focus goes inward on when will I be worthy? When will I be seen Mm -hmm. as valid? And it's almost this like navel gazy. It's about me. And I think our job as entrepreneurs, especially coaches who serve and facilitate change and hold space for other women is, is to remember, yo, this is bigger than the cash you have in your bank account. This is about changing lives. This is about leading a movement. And so the more that we can turn that gaze outward, Mm -hmm. I think the more confident we feel, the more like kind of head in check we get and the more on mission we get so that we can create that big impact. And when you have momentum around the movement that you build, you become a very charismatic, energizing, warm, people want to be around you leader and you will make money, but you Mm. can't get too much in your head and make the money mean that that's what makes you valid. The money is an after effect and not the validator. So true. I love that. Do you have any suggestions? Like this is so valuable with just being able to release that. It really seems like more so obsession over how much you're earning and when am I going to hit it and all of these things. Is there a practice that you've used to help release some of that? Because I think a lot of business owners do face that and they're like, but how can I stop? Like, how do I stop thinking about it? So is there something you've used that's been really helpful for you or for clients? It's so interesting. So I was just, I didn't have time before my last meeting and and now, but one of the things I'm going to do actually after this, I'm looking over, obviously we're on a podcast and no one can see that to the whiteboard (laughs) on my wall. Um, where at the first of the month, every month, I write out our goals for the month. So like what our team is specifically focused on, our revenue goals. And this might sound opposite to your question where it's like, what do you do to release it? I'm like, I write it down so I can see the number that I'm moving towards. And so I really, again, I think it's this dual energetic of committed, but not attached. The problem I think with 
people trying to do practices to be unattached to a number is that they forget the committed part. And so it's like, okay, I'm worthy no matter what. And, you know, even if I make $0, I'm still like a beautiful human, which of course is true, but it's like, it's almost like there's shame or contraction around owning the desired number. And I think it's healthy to have an aspiration and a goal. I also think that for, you know, human beings, we are motivated by both the the energetic and the heartfelt and also the mental. And so for me, if I'm just like, I want to have my biggest month ever, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, what does that even mean? What is that number? What am I selling? How am I doing that? But if I'm like, cool, I want to have a $250,000 month and I can see, and here's what we're selling. Here's the breakdown to get that. I feel really energized and it helps center me on a daily basis. So I have a visual reminder of that number that I'm going towards. Now, as far as the unattachment piece at the end of the, and this is a practice that I, I use with all of my clients. And we do this inside of all of my containers, all my masterminds is at the end of every week is checking in and celebrating what we did that week. And so celebrating whatever progress that is, whether you sold one spot, whether you sold 50 spots, whether you made a bunch of money, whether you made no money, can you celebrate every step of the process? Can you commemorate not just hitting this milestone marker, but can you celebrate the process of building? Mm -hmm. And again, as I said, if you have a target and you don't hit it, like my process for it, 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 it almost is like, that's what I'm moving towards. That's what I'm going towards. That helps direct me. But I'm not expecting to hit that like a dead center bullseye with precision every single month. I'm expecting and desiring to hit around that. But even if we were wildly off, that weekly practice of self-celebration combined with this monthly practice of like reorienting myself towards what I'm moving towards, I find to be such a helpful process for both moving into that commitment energy while also being committed, not just to the end goal, but to the process itself. And that creates a really positive feedback loop and a positive internal motivator. So that again, even if I didn't hit 250,000, like last month, I had 264 written on the wall. We ended up at 194. So we were $60,000 short of my, what was on my wall for January. I'm looking at it right now, Yeah, but we hit $194,000 in a month. And so it's like, if I'm not celebrating that, you know, so it's, it's, if I didn't write those numbers, if I didn't break down, this is what I'm moving towards, I probably wouldn't have felt as expanded as I did. And so Mm -hmm. the invitation is there to just really let yourself dream big, but also anchor it down and to celebrate every single step along the way. So for me, there are no feelings of disappointment or beating myself up. There's only wow. Cause if I can hit 194, I can definitely hit 250. I can definitely hit. And so it's a way to stay motivated without making a, an association of your, you know, worthiness or your, your skill set as an entrepreneur to hit that number. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I hope that exa- example is illustrative and helpful. Oh, it totally is. And I think you know, just like you said, if you're releasing the goal altogether, then that's not helping you stay focused, but it's having the goal and also remaining grateful and happy for what you are hitting and what you do have and know that it's on its way to you. A hundred percent. That's it. 
Kate, something that I'm interested in with you as well, where you've been in this industry for, you know, several years, five years or so now, and you've obviously gone through these different, you know, financial markers in your business. What do you feel has changed at those different levels? Um, whatever your initial, I mean, you said earlier that right from the beginning, you, you kind of had this goal of making a million dollars in your business. What, what, what would you say changed from, you know, that the first year that you made whatever that goal was, and then maybe six figures, seven figures, what kind of stayed consistent and what really shifted from each level? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think, and it really makes me go back and reflect. I think the things that have stayed consistent are the desire to spread my work and to serve women really deeply. I feel like my commitment to my, you know, while the application of and and building out of new programs and stuff has evolved over the years, my love for rolling up my sleeves and really getting in there and supporting women has been consistent from the beginning. And I just love that about my business so much. I'm like beaming as I say this, yes, because I it feels it. like it's just, it is the, it's the heartbeat that like fuels me forward. I literally have moments every single day where I'm just like, I am so pumped to do what I do today. And to be able to say that is like in and of itself is such a blessing. And to be able to make this kind of money and support other women to make huge amounts of money, it's like, it is just, I feel profoundly fulfilled and that fulfillment, you know, it is definitely been a process of like refining my craft. I've become such a better coach over the years but the devotion to get better every day, to develop myself as a leader every day and to serve women at the highest capacity has really stayed the same. So I would say mm -hmm. that's really been the consistent thing. And the thing that has shifted, I mean, a lot of things have shifted, but the biggest thing that has shifted is getting comfortable with going bigger. And I mean that really in every sense of the word. So moving from solopreneur to CEO and having team members mm. moving from, you know, feeling like if I had $5,000 in monthly expenses, like I was going to, you know, only be able to eat ramen that month. And I was like going broke to, you know, wiring $70,000 in one transaction. Like it was, you know, I was paying for a coffee or mm. having an outflow of hundreds of thousands of dollars in a single month, not just for business, but, and not feeling real contraction, like every single stage or going from, again, what, whether we're talking about money, whether we're talking about team, whether we're talking about influence, like going from feeling nervous on a live stream to standing on a TEDx stage in front of hundreds of people, like getting comfortable with going bigger has absolutely been the thing that has shifted. And the analogy that I love to give Kat is that of, you know, a gymnast or something walking on a balance beam. And when we're walking, you know, one foot off the ground, the skill set is the same, right? The skill set is exactly the same, whether we're walking one foot off the ground or we're walking a thousand feet up in the air. It's like, do you trust yourself? Can you be centered? Can you find your breath? Can you trust this, the sturdiness under your feet? Can you trust the certainty of your muscles? Can you trust yourself to recalibrate when you inevitably start to lose balance? Because that, I mean, I know I'm speaking your language, girlfriend, as a yoga teacher, <laughs> 
Well, it's so funny, too, because I've been watching Cheer on Netflix. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so many ways in the yoga yes. and the cheer. <laughs> like, I picture this so well. Oh, my God. That's so good. But yeah, I mean, I'll never forget a yoga class that I was in and we were doing tree pose and I was like particularly wobbly that day and I felt really embarrassed. I was like, come on, Kate. And I'd done my yoga training. So I'm like, yeah, I'm a 200 hour RYTT. <laughs> I'm not supposed to wobble. And she just said, like, there is no such thing as balance. Like balance is not a noun. It's a verb. And I was that I will, it was years ago and I will never forget that line. It was such a beautiful thing. And the same thing is true in business. And so anyway, can we trust ourselves to continue to almost like walk through the same fires that we did in the beginning, the fear of the unknown, Mm. the fear of uncertainty, you know, the, you name it. All the things that come up. Fear of fear of syndrome, judgment, (laughs) all of the things, but it's like, can you get comfortable playing in that same arena on a bigger scale? And so for me, I have really one, and this is one of my favorite tools to teach clients. When clients ask like, how do you like center yourself after something bad happens? Or how do you you know, deal with this like massive crippling fear of success or failure or, or, you know, being judged or, and it's just like, use your past evidence. Like you are your own best case study. You are, it's not even like you're on your, but you're your own best testimonial, but you are your best evidence catalog. Like, and when I look back and I tell you this story, even here on this podcast of all of the moments that truly felt like ugly crying, like waiting for my car to take me to the airport to leave. Like I'm talking hard moments. Like I walked through that and I, I have lived through so many challenges, so many failed launches, so many teams not working out so many, hun- like maybe not hundreds, but definitely tens of thousands to the tune of more than I would say $80,000 of investments that were mm. not either the best investments, not aligned, like taught me a lesson. And I would pay for them again, because I'm so grateful for all the teachings that they brought me. But money that felt hard to part with at the time because it wasn't the right, you know, the ultimate right thing for me. Can you learn to lead yourself through those moments? And I look at where I am today and it's like, it's not in spite of all of those failures. It's because of all of those failures. And so whatever challenge that I now face on a bigger scale where we will do, you know, multiple millions of dollars in cash this year, and we are playing a bigger game, the stakes feel higher in some ways. It feels like the balance beam is off the ground. So my work and the newness is just, it's almost like doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the mindset work to know mm. the ex- I, my body knows how to do these steps. I know how to do this. So even if I might be at heights that I've never yet been at, I know exactly what I'm doing. And that is the most important work. Oh, yes. Yes. That's so, so good. So true. Thank you so much, Kate. The last thing that I love to ask everyone on the podcast is, what does it mean or what does it look like to you to be a wealthy and well woman? Mm, it's such a beautiful question. Oh, for me, wealthy is a feeling. It's a feeling of, it feels like being warm. It feels like being full, having a really rich and full life. Money is absolutely a part of that. I'm, I feel just so grateful, so in love with my relationship with money right now, it feels really like healthy, secure attachment, spacious, giving, reciprocal. We communicate well. I don't hide from it. It doesn't hide from me. 
but money and it's like money is just one part of it for me the i don't think that i would feel as wealthy and as well as i do if that were the only thing i was looking at for me it's really about this constellation of all of the things in our lives mm -hmm. my relationships um, my connections with my husband with my child with my body really attending to what is present in my life and everything that's inside of it so for me the real hallmarks of being a wealthy and well woman are am i in right relationship with all of the different areas of my life mm -hmm. am i in right relationship with money am i in right relationship with my you know partner with my friends with my community with my body with myself first and foremost i think it really does start from there because that relationship and being in right relationship with ourself is the template for our relationships with other people and our relationship with money and our relationship with our body. So yes. I think the biggest thing is, is being in right relationship and, and cultivating that truly as your highest priority and investing money, time, energy, devotion to cultivating those relationships, no matter what. Ah, oh, I love it. Kate, I could I could just carry this conversation on for like 10 hours. So um, but I won't because I have another meeting. But <laughs> I am just so happy that you came on the podcast and shared so much wisdom and magic with the wealthy and well women. So thank you so, so much. And where can our listeners plug into you? Where can they find you? What do you have going on besides Be Well Fest on May 1st? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so pumped for Be Well Fest. Uh, so I'm going to be there. I'll be doing a keynote. Kat, I'm just so excited. We're going to have so much fun. Oh, it's going to be epic. See so many of you listeners there. Um, and thank you so much for having me on the show. This was such a great conversation. I'm like, whoa, it's already been 50 minutes. I know. I just got a notification that was like my next call. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> Not yet. Um, guys, you can follow along. The best place to connect with me is on Instagram. You can find me there at Kate Scudder, C-A-I-T-S-C-U-D-D-E-R. Also follow along on the podcast. I release new episodes every week, the Born to Rise podcast. And that's on like Spotify iTunes, all the places. So yeah, come hang out. You can also find me on my website, kate.co. Uh, and we have a couple awesome programs coming up. I don't know when this is coming out. We have a money program called Minted that's starting on Valentine's Day, which if you are wanting to improve your relationship with money is a great place to plug in and always have some other fun things. So come say hi on Instagram and I would love to connect with you. Yes, and we'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Kate. You're so welcome, Kat. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on today's episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. I am so grateful that you listened in. If you loved what you heard and you feel called to share, please go leave me a review on iTunes so I can make sure to keep all this good stuff coming your way. Also share this episode with someone you think would absolutely love it. And I will be so grateful. That's how we spread the Wealthy and Well Woman mission together. If you aren't already following me on social media, come and join me by following at Kat Sanuski. I would love to connect with you there and I cannot wait to connect you with you back here in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and shine as the wealthy and well woman you are.